Talk 1110-993-WBT. I think we're on day number, I guess, eight or nine. I forgot. I'm losing track. Um, the Alec Murdoch double murder trial down in Colleton County, South Carolina. Matt Harris is uh, the morning co-host of the Matt and Ramona show on our sister station, Mix 107.9. Uh, he has also been producing and hosting a podcast on the Murdoch cases. Uh, there are very many of them uh, with his co-host Seton Tucker. And the name of that podcast is Impact of Influence. And it is available on all your major podcasting platforms. Uh, and also Matt and Seton are going to be filling in, I guess it's a week from today, right? Uh, what, Thursday and Friday next week at uh, 7 p.m. here on WBT? That is correct. That is correct. We'll see what, uh, you know, God knows how much could happen between now and then the way things are uh, going. Uh, but it, it, I think the trial is going to be longer than they thought it was going to be. Uh, they were planning. They, they crossed out three weeks on the docket, uh, and uh, it, to, to the idea of it ending in another week is insane. Yeah, so especially if they get if they have to go through all of the financial stuff that they were getting into today, uh, that could then extend it even uh, even longer. I think the defense attorney mentioned something about that. But let's start. So I, I, because the show that I do is noon to three, um, I you know I go home and then I start watching the afternoon session. So I'm always kind of on a half day lag here. But you were right. in the courtroom and uh, yesterday afternoon. Um, I think the pieces are all starting to fit for this timeline so far. Again, the, the defense hasn't gotten up there to make their case yet. Right now, they're just kind of trying to poke holes where they can, um, but they will get a turn. But let's start with this lieutenant for SLED, uh, Britt Dove. He's like the Internet Computer Crimes Analyst guy. I think he was a fantastic witness for the prosecution. Uh, he was. I th- yeah, I th- uh, he was able to communicate like these technical terms and, and, and operations in ways everybody could understand, I think. Um, and he pulls this report from Maggie Murdoch's phone. And that uh, that report shows her uh, walking around her uh, the, her the motion from footsteps with her you know her step counter uh, app and such, and yeah. it shows that at eight thirty one the night of her death she gets a text message from Alex's brother John, that says I plan to go to visit Dad tomorrow afternoon. Is anybody else planning to go? She reads the message that w- when it comes in like seconds later, and mm-hmm. then at nine o'clock so half an hour goes by. She gets a text message from Alec, and that message is never opened. She gets another text a half hour after that, never opened. So they're trying to like create the, the, the evidence, the trail here, for the window of when the murders occurred. You think they did a good job with that? Well, I think they did a good job. I, I think I'm a little, I don't know if the word is disappointed. I'm a little curious as to why they didn't do it with graphs and 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 pictures and uh i mean the, the, the defense came in and used at least a dry erase board or something right. because it is especially how they created it it's a bit confusing and even when i was talking to other reporters and attorneys in the courtroom and i'm on, on court tv by the way just about every night eight to nine um nice yes the uh <laughs> me and vinnie politan uh they and you might have seen this too so you can when the, Maggie is taking her steps, that was a big point by the defense when Jim Griffin got up there, or uh, the yeah. other attorney as well. They're saying, well, look, she's not walking the same time Alec is walking. So if he killed her, he would have taken her phone and both would have been making steps at the same time. Well, then on uh, redirect, they come back and they say, uh, well, listen, uh, Alec wasn't walking. 
and they talk about we talked about a little bit yesterday the uh, when it, when you move your camera around from landscape to photo um and i caught that he said when they when you throw a phone and it's the, the screen is not on it won't record the directional uh movement of the camera mm -hmm. i caught i mean that's what i think and i went around and some people were like no he didn't say that i'm like i'm pretty sure he did no he did so yeah I'm if you sure. drop the phone or you toss the phone it doesn't count it as steps that's what he said yes and yeah. you can't tell if it's directional either or whatever you know right you turn it yeah as long as the stream's not on so i laid out this whole thing but not everybody caught it so the people like the the attorney uh, they talked to two attorneys to talk to a couple different court uh you know just uh, reporters and stuff oh you know journalists start the brightest anyway but I'm just kidding. oh my goodness um, that's just me <laughs> um i'm just kidding they uh if they didn't get it maybe it wasn't clear to the jury either because it's very technical they go minute by minute 8 44 38 seconds this happens 8 44 45 seconds to me it was clear was it clear to everybody else i don't know and i had pushed back on my what i had heard yeah and i yeah i i said on uh twitter last night or yeah i think of over the past couple of days i posted uh, some tweets about this the trial and i said the the prosecutor and this lieutenant dove have done a, a really good job of of getting the information into evidence right to to give right. us the data and and this is tedious and a lot of people get frustrated Very and bored tedious. with it but they have to do it but once it's in now you have to construct it in a way that people can digest it the jurors can understand it and yeah they need a timeline because you got three phones you got text messages phone calls in and out to all three of them you got gaps that have to be uh, segregated and then you also have the steps. footsteps right so yeah you, right so you have all of this stuff all right so i thought this was this was like a really bad uh this was a really bad day for the defense yesterday afternoon yes, i yes, think i agree um because in the in the course of that afternoon they put up two friends of paul the son who was who was murdered and uh the first thing they do and they got three videos and i actually have the audio so there is one of them let me play this clip real uh sure. real quick this is the the video that paul shot and then was going to send it to one of his friends and um to send it to oh, i just saw a message there's a fire alarm going off in the building uh, uh -oh. where where we aren't so good good uh we made the right choice all right so uh <laughs> there's a, right so the uh so paul sh shoots this video for his friend whose dog he's keeping at the kennel and he's like hey man i'm, I'm give him a call he's like uh something wrong with your dog cash uh his tail and uh so his friend is like okay uh well you know let's facetime but if the facetime doesn't work because they got terrible right. cell reception then right. then uh, just shoot a video and send it to me so they try to facetime doesn't work so paul shoots this video and i'm going to play the video the audio of this video it's paul's hand basically and the dog cash in the kennel he's got a bird in his mouth hey bubba This is a chicken. So that voice is first. That's Maggie Murdoch saying he's got a, a bird in his mouth. You hear them say Bubba. That's the the name of one of the dogs that apparently had the right. bird in his mouth. And she says it's a no, guinea. No, no, the, the, bird, the, the bird in the mouth was the dog he was taking a picture of. Bubba, Alec, was calling him over. Right. Yeah. Right. And so then he says, um, uh, so then she says it's a guinea, which is a kind of uh, bird, which are really loud and obnoxious that nobody really cares if they get eaten. And uh, and then someone else says it's a chicken. Now, I, I don't know if that was Paul or Alec, but this most definitely in the background, you can hear, I think this is Alec. Come here, Bubba. 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 Come here, Bubba.
Come here, Cash. Come here, Bob. Cash. Quit. Yep. And that's it. And so yeah, that's definitely him. Right. And, and that the, the kid said, is de- I'm 100% positive. Both of his friend, Paul's friends said, 100% positive. That's Alec. They know Alec's voice. They were like a second family to me. They both said, 100%, yeah. it's Alec on the, t- on the video. And so why is this important? Because it puts him that's at the kennels, right? Which he separate and then he said he never was. And let's go and say, oh, well, he forgot, which I think the defense is setting up. Because he said, well, how, how fast can you get from the kennels to the house if you drove really fast? Um, but let's say he forgot, okay, that he was there. This wild hair and say he did. It's still, a, it still only leaves a three-minute gap between when he was there and when Paul and Maggie's phones are done. So what are the chances that the minute he walks away and gets in his car to drive back to the house... Someone jumps out, kills him too, and Alec doesn't hear the gunshots. And wasn't Maggie, wasn't she there to go with him to see his dad who had gotten, who had been put in the hospital? Was that the purpose for her being at the Moselle property? That was a report that was out. Uh, but the, the father was actually, it was at Savannah Hospital. And the mom has dementia. She was at the house, uh, her house. Right. Um, but uh, in the text messages and stuff that came out it sounds like she had a she had a uh, doctor's appointment in charleston and she said something about he wants him to come to the house uh and there was no mention in those of going to see the dad until the following day right because so when that might have been a false report gotcha so right and, and so i am trying to restrict what i know of, like about the case to just what's being produced in yes, court because that's, that's what the, the hard part right that's yes. what the jury is looking at um and so i wasn't sure if i've missed something where maybe that was uh, brought in or something um so she but yeah so this window that you're talking about he would have to then what get up to a, get to a car drive away but then minutes later like after 906 i think is where he starts calling her Right. And yes. he's and, and, and before that. Yeah. And, yeah. And then the purpose of these calls is ostensibly to say that he's going to visit mom, which if he was there 15 minutes before he drives away, why wouldn't you have just told her right then and there you're going to go see mom? Right. At 906, he starts his car uh, and he has his first steps for like two minutes before that. Um, and you're right. He said he claimed in multiple interviews that he never saw them after he woke up from his after dinner because at dinner he says he went to a nap and then got up and tried to find him and uh drove to his mom's house so yeah he was down there easily said hey i'm, I'm leaving and at that point it would have been somewhere around uh 12 18 minutes later all right uh next up we're going to get into uh with matt harris here he is uh, the uh, co-host of a podcast impact of influence available on all major podcasting platforms about the murdoch cases uh we're going to get into the uh, the door that got left open let's call it uh by the uh by the defense <laughs> yeah. yesterday and uh not good things happened uh, all right so more with matt harris in a moment so all right so where were we the door that got left open the, the door that got left open by jim griffin right so jim griffin is the defense attorney door gets left open uh and i actually have this audio too let me play this real quick because uh this is what the prosecutor then followed up with and he's going to make a reference to it he's he, he's doing a redirect of uh, a fellow by the name of will loving who is the um uh one of the friends of paul right you were uh, asked about the relationship that you observed between 
uh, Alec and Paul and Alec and Maggie. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. So that's how he starts it. So let's start there uh, as well. Uh, Jim Griffin, the defense attorney, starts with Will Loving and even the other guy, too, asked him, what's the relationship like, right? That's how this all started. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, well, one of the things that happens after that as well is they decide to show this Memorial Day birthday party for Alec at uh, Edisto. And in the picture, you can see a guy in a yeah, purple shirt, I think, or something. Mm-hmm. It is, which is Chris Wilson. And Chris Wilson is one of Alec's good buddies that he was confronted of the day of the murders. He had a check, was supposed to have a, cre- a check from Chris Wilson in the case they worked together. He was supposed to give this, I think it's $700,000 check to the law firm he didn't give it to the law firm his law firm he kept it <laughs> and so he was confronted by the cfo and he's st- you know he just oh I, I gotta go i can't really talk about it um so because chris wilson's in the photo and because if he asked how tight you know they were so tight with the family those things all came together to allow creighton waters to basically start screaming about the financial situations right so here's the rest of the right right so this and this is the last thing and this people this is the last thing that the jury heard in the testimony before the uh, the end of court session yesterday and so that means they go back home with this exchange fresh on their mind so you're right it was a it was a very good relationship is that correct yes sir it was a good relationship in my point of view did you know anything about Alex's finances? Um, no, I did not. Did you know anything about his law practice? Um, no, I did not. Did you know anything about where he gets his money? No, I did not. Did you know anything about where he was spending his money? No, I did not. Did you know anything about what his bank account balances were? No, sir, I did not. Did you know anything about the debt that he was carrying? Do you know anything about that? No, sir. Did you know the specific things that were going on in the boat case the week that Paul and Maggie were murdered? No, sir. Do you know anything about civil discovery and and how it can expose financial information? <laughs> no, sir. Yeah. Do you know anything at all about him being confronted on June seventh, twenty twenty one, about object? Did you know anything about him being confronted on the morning of June seventh, twenty twenty one, about seven hundred ninety two thousand dollars of missing fees from his law firm? Objection, Your Honor. It's totally improper. Did you know anything about that? No, I did not. you know any of the facts of those things that I just asked you about? No, sir. All right, so that's how that ended. That was the last thing the jury heard. All right, so... Right, so the door's open because not only the Chris Wilson thing, but he's is using the guy as kind of as a character witness. Right. This kid. And then if you use it, and it's not a kid anymore, but he's using him as a character witness. So if you're going to do that, then how well, how well did you know that? Right. And... You wouldn't expect him to know a lot of that stuff, but he was able to slide it in there. Now, my only question is on, on the effects will be, these are all jurors from Colleton County, Hampton County. Yeah. It's not like they don't know. Only one person, someone told me on the jury, said that's all the Colonel jury said they knew nothing about the case. Everybody else knows something. 
<laughs> so you got a liar. So you have one liar on the jury. No, yes. I'm kidding, right? <laughs> no, but yeah, but right, right. And I would, to be honest, I don't think I'd want the guy who knew nothing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you, you, but my 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 point is there that I find it hard to believe that this is new news to them that he was in some sort of financial straits. He was ripping people off. He was. I mean, Russell Lafitte was his banker buddy, and he was sentenced uh, back in November, December. That, yeah, it's in now, which is officially great. But did they kind of know this, a little bit of this anyway? Right. But now they're going to get to... Yeah, and so the door got opened by the defense because they asked these witnesses, uh, Rogan Gibson and this guy Will Loving, two of Paul's uh, best friends, uh, asked them... Uh, hey, act as a character witness, vouch for Alec and his relationship with his yeah. family and all that. That opened the door, and the prosecution then kicked it open. Uh, and now, and then you heard the objection, which this got addressed today. Uh, there was some pretrial, uh, or before the jury came in, I should say, they, they uh, went through some of the evidentiary uh, uh uh, interrogation uh, because the, this is about the financial uh, crimes aspect to all of this right. and new the judge newman um he started off by explaining uh, this morning why he allowed the state to ask the witness what we just heard about these financial issues he said the murdoch defense team opened that door by the by turning in, you know, one of them into a character witness and um and then he said um that he allowed the state to ask the witness if the financial crimes could have provided that motive. Newman then says uh, that he overruled the defense objection because totally improper is not a legal basis for an objection. (laughs) That's what the judge had to tell the lawyer. Like, that's not an objection. That's not a thing. Just totally improper is not a... You got to make yeah. a, you got to say like hearsay or leading the witness. Like you got to say yeah. why you're uh, objecting. Yes, and and, and uh, the same thing. Harpootlian was kept just saying over and over again, and I was there for one of the motions earlier this week where he's like putting the financial crimes in is uh, you know it's a horrible miscarriage or something and uh, the judge is like all right you keep saying the same thing over and over again you got a new one <laughs> right so and you it, look they the, the prosecution does not need to provide a motive they, they don't have no. to prove motive. It is no. helpful. It is very, very helpful uh, to be able to, you know, guide a jury, give them all the, the pieces, and you don't want them sitting around saying, but I just don't understand why you would do it, you know? Uh, so yeah. you give them this motive. And uh, I think, so then they they proceed to go through the financials and how much he was ripping off his law firm, and apparently it was going on for years and years and years. Oh, yeah. Like 2012, I think, 2011, something like that. Okay. And it's the earliest we found, but I mean, it's probably more, more, but that's what he's been charged with. He has 100 counts of, uh, of, of taking money from clients and the law firm and whatever, 100 counts he's been charged with. And it's about, uh, I think, current total is like $8 million. $8 million. Yeah, in about 10 years. And so they were going through this morning with the former, uh, with this, or the C- CFO, the accountant and office manager for the law firm, who was a, f- a friend of Alex, right? And well, they're, you know, they're all buddies over, you know. Yeah. Down there, yeah. And so uh, she's worked for their law firm for, what, 20 something years? She's known him for 40 years. And yeah. uh, she seemed kind of hacked off. Uh, she seemed a little upset at uh, Alec. Um, yeah. As well, she ruined de- the name, the Murdoch name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As she uh, detailed all of the. Uh, 
uh, all of the financial crimes and just keep going and going and going and going. So that was done outside the presence of the jury. And now the judge will have to determine whether or not to let the jury see all of this stuff. But I think like that's yeah. going to be a pretty big piece of the puzzle for the state to be able to work over because uh, it, it does provide a helpful explanation for why the walls were closing in, so to speak, on Murdoch. Yeah. Because the same day of the murders, right, I, I think he, there's reason to believe that he was confronted that morning. Exactly. By the CFO that morning. Right. Um, but here's a couple of things um, of, of interest. I think one is I think the prosecution has to be very careful not to get bogged down in the, in, in the weeds of this financial stuff because it's very, very boring and, and, and could really lose them. Number two, when we talk about they don't have to have motive, they I think in, they, they you mentioned how they have to lay it out anyway. But a lot of the the two buddies of um paul that testified and it was all about how much alec loved paul and maggie but especially paul the apple of his eye they hung out together they laughed all the time because you're not to be gruesome but i think people can get their head around shooting a spouse because it happens all the time but shooting your son in the head is something that you have to have you have to have an explanation yeah it can't just be you know uh whatever even financial crimes it's got to be a really good explanation because you can see them in that snapchat video talking and laughing which is only two hours before the murders you really got to paint a picture why he would go to the extreme of killing a son that everybody's saying he he loved and went to his all ball games and blah 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 right so you mentioned the video. Let's let's hit that too. That was the third video uh, that was uh, uh, played yesterday uh, in in court, and it's the video. It's very very brief. Paul shot this video. He posted it on his Snapchat account, and so people saw it. And that also pegged a timestamp, basically, because the video was uploaded to the servers. They saw when when it was shot, when it uh, when it went out, and so describe what that video was. That is uh, a Snapchat video of. You can just see Alec. Paul's taking the video. You can hear them laughing. They're messing with trees on the Moselle property, and one of the trees is really weak. It's like falling over. So Alec's playing with it. They tied the four wheeler to it or something. But the important part is uh, Alec is not in the clothes that he was wearing when law enforcement arrived at the murder scene, and he said he did not change. Well, he did change because he's a white white t-shirt and khakis at the murder scene in the video two hours before the murder he's in a blue shirt and shorts right so, so well uh, well so the yeah so at the tree he's wearing the he, at the tree he's wearing long pants and the button-down collared oh, yeah, shirt right yeah yeah, yeah. and then the way around right and then at the murder scene which then so okay so he he says he didn't change he doesn't never tell police uh, investigators that he changed his clothing uh, but maybe, you know, people are like, oh, it's South Carolina in June. It's hot. Uh, he's out work, uh, you know, working. So he changed, you know, at yeah. some point. Okay. You did he change? Yeah. Did he, did he change before he laid down for a nap or after he woke up and then decided to go see mom and he put the, the, the clothing on? But, you know, now the question is, well, can you find the clothes? Can you find the clothes exactly. that he was wearing if, if he did change? Where are those? And I think yeah. I don't know how the defense tries to get that in if they actually have the clothing. But I think the defense has to address that. They've got to address him being at the kennels and they got to address uh, his change, change of clothing. Of I, and no, I don't know I, how they I, do yeah. that. 
I think the change of clothing, I don't know how, who they asked or whatever. Right. Probably, have to be, probably be in closing because you could say, like, they asked him if he changed his clothes. He took it to meant, you know, after the after he found them dead or something. And then he's also distraught. He didn't know what he was saying. Uh, but he took him that before he took his nap, he changed his clothes or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But where are the clothes then? Right. And this comes and that and that what they'll say is, well, if the clothes existed, just shows you how sloppy a job sled did. They didn't even collect clothes. Uh, they didn't even do it because they did search the house tonight, but with family members. And there's no nothing to indicate to me from anything I've heard that they were walking around with big bags of clothes or whatever. And just on a side note of the sled thing and, and Colleton County, mainly sled because they took over. Um, why did it take them what, four months or something to get Alex's phone? Mm. I, I'm stunned by that. And why were they not taking lots? Of, and they didn't search his mom's house where he went that night they didn't search there so i think right so matt i think i I would i think you might find some answers there is a podcast it's called impact of influence (laughs) it's your podcast matt the name says it all i think that is exactly why i think that's exactly why they treated murdoch as the grieving, you know, uh, uh, family member of the victims rather than a potential suspect, even though the sled investigators say, you know, he was in the initial circle and everyone's in the circle and then we expand yeah. out or, or rule people out. But I think it, I, I think it was that, yeah, he is known in that, that, that that's his world, the legal field. Do you think that, I mean, like anybody else who is married to someone's wife and kid are murdered uh, is allowed to go back into the house with a bunch of family members, maybe at least six or so, um, as as an investigation begins, I don't think that's the the normal. No, uh, right. really, I, you know. Yeah. And his phone. No. They just say, "Hey, take keep your phone," because as we found out also yesterday, he deleted uh, a bunch of calls on his phone uh, after the uh, murders because he was able to keep his phone until September. Oh, but it's not like those phone calls were tied to the murder scene or anything. <laughs> no, they were actually actually were right. They were the actual phone calls that he had made to Maggie. He deleted Maggie. them off his phone, but unfortunately. Yes. So the, one of the questions I have, and maybe you know the answer to this, or maybe just speculation: How was he not able to open the phone if he knew her passcode? Um, I think uh, my, my speculation, of course, would be that he. Well, there's two possibilities. One is he, did, he, he didn't he, want to yeah. because, you know, fingerprints or just then people would see the phone was open and they could. Now the time frame of when they were shot starts to build. Every second that phone opens is more minutes that is closer to his uh, when he gets in his car. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean, if he thought that through. But um I guess they did confirm that Alec did get the passcode because I had heard early on from someone very close uh, to the family that it was Buster who gave the code to get Maggie's phone open. But maybe that's not true. Mm. I I think that he didn't. He did not want to. I would have to guess that he didn't want to open it. Right. Because that's just for whatever reason. He just decided I don't want to open it. He didn't have Paul's passcode. Right. And and so that's why we were able to see the video and stuff because he couldn't get in. And he didn't think they'd be able to get in. In fact, they couldn't for like three months because they had to get this new special software from the Secret Service or something. To get into to what force, what they call brute force their way yeah. into Paul's phone. Right. 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 
Um, yeah, and so that's the, uh, uh, the uh, of course, the other explanation of why he did not uh, enter the passcode in is that uh, maybe he didn't do it. Uh, right? He wasn't there. Because yeah. if he was there, well, yeah, he would have just, course. yeah, he would have just opened up the, uh, um, he would have just opened up the phone and, and whatever. Um, I, I was reminded also, I've, I've said this uh, a couple different times, but one of the trials I covered, I believe it may have been the, the Ray Carruth murder trial years ago in Charlotte was mm-hmm. uh, the prosecutor's in their their closing arguments to the jury they said look don't blame us because the plan is so bad right we've outlined this plan but we didn't make the plan that we didn't do that he made up the plan and the plan is terrible it's stupid we agree but don't hold that against us (laughs) he did it right not just because he's a bad murderer that's like why wouldn't you do this why wouldn't you do that well that's not on us to tell you why he's an idiot right Um, right i mean you know and so I, 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 if, if the overall picture to me right now is for the, the state has to, or the prosecution of the, yeah, the state has to get the uh, jurors to find a good reason why, uh, by all accounts, a loving dad shoots his son as violently as he did. And the uh, defense has to figure out why the hell Alec was at the kennels three minutes before the murders. Those are the two biggies to me right now. Right. And, yeah, so that's what, like, I'm watching to see how they're going to be able to present some sort of counter-narrative to that, to explain it, to give one person on that jury enough of something of an explanation. uh, Because that, to me, is that that, if if he said he was never down there and now you, you have him down there, how do you explain this discrepancy uh this this lie and then of course the financial stuff comes into now what of the argument or the theory i should say that and oh by the way it's like it's after 2 30 do you need to go matt no i got a few minutes you know, let's do it all right real quick this theory of the case i have heard and you kind of mentioned it with the chris wilson guy um is it possible that this was this was planned and carried out by people that he knew in order to shield him from the boat case, the civil litigation, you know, all of the expenses the, 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 uh, the, or the money that he had been stealing, that there's somebody else, there's a second shooter that was at the site. That's what the defense has already laid some groundwork for that. In fact, mm-hmm. the, the gun, uh, the one sled officer, he even got, or probably even got her to say that it is, is reasonable to believe that. Use the word reasonable, you know, how to work that in. Um, but it, that's the only thing. But then they have to admit, though, that to to that Alex involved, right? Or there they was have, yeah, there were there were two yeah. other people that and th- that that were down there firing the guns. Yeah, because he's there. He's still there at the the, the pound. Uh, I mean, the theory that somebody did it for him and he was part of it is has been out there. But if they present that, then they've got to present that he knew about it. Yeah, right. I mean, because he's still there. He still he still explain his. Uh, uh, awareness or the, you know, why he was there, I, I, and I, that's that's the biggie. I, you know, they've already kind of started uh, talking about a drug connection. They've kind of entered like little nuggets here and there about that. Yeah. Uh, that you know, so I don't know if when they when they do their thing if they're going to start saying look at all these other people because they've talked about how Paul had guns around. They keep talking about how yeah. uh, guns are and vehicles on the property. Nothing on the property is ever locked up. Two missing guns, blah, 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 blah. So I think when they present their case, it's going to be a lot of, well, well couldn't it have possibly been? Right. 
this, this somebody that. shows up on the property, grabs a gun off the side of the wall, and and just yeah, murders everybody. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. All right. So we'll see. So if you want, I mean, all of the twists and turns has been going on for a long time. There are a lot of other cases. You keep hearing the boat case. Matt covers it with his co-host Seton Tucker on the podcast Impact of Influence. It's available on, on all major uh, podcasting platforms. And Matt and Seton are going to be filling in for WBT's Brett Jensen on February 9th and 10th from 7 until 8 p.m. And also, by the way, if, as if that's not all enough, he is the morning co-host of the Matt and Ramona show on our sister station, Mix 107.9. All right, Matt, thank Court you, TV, sir. Court TV, 8 to 9. Oh, and Court TV. Let me add that to the bio here. Court TV, 8 <laughs> till 9. Is this uh, is that in perpetuity now? Well, yeah, well, until they get tired of me. I guess. Okay, all right. Well, good luck. I'll be watching then, sir. Thanks, brother. All Bye. right, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's Matt Harris. <laughs> News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. So, yeah, it's uh, regrouping from the fire alarm that went off in the building. Uh, thanks again to Matt Harris for joining me. Uh, again, the name of his podcast is Impact of Influence. Got some messages here uh, from yesterday. We Every day at 2 o'clock, we're doing the the Murdoch trial uh, recap, as warranted. Um, and so far, it has been warranted. I think yesterday was not a good day at all for the defense. And um, you got three videos that got entered into evidence. Uh, and you had two witnesses that said they were 100% sure that the voice on the video at the kennels was Alec Murdoch. And uh, that video was shot at, what, 840, uh, 8.45 or so. And that places him at the kennels. And he said he wasn't down there. And so you you have this window of when the murders occurred, and it just keeps getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Um, they've got the step counts from the phones and such. And when you're walking with the phone and, and it, it measures your steps, they know what phones were moving, how many steps they recorded. And uh, along that line, John uh, wrote an email to Pete at the PeteCalendarShow.com. Does the phone show how fast the steps are? In other words, they say she was running away when she got shot. Does her camera show how fast the steps were going? Uh, I have not seen anything like that entered into evidence or discussed. Um, and it isn't pinpoint accurate. Um, it's going to be apparently more accurate if you wear it on your hip versus if you hold it in your hand. It's going to overcount if it's in your hand. So there's a tip for you if you're trying to beat the Fitbit. Uh, <laughs> you're trying to make your steps for the day. Carry it in your hand and you get, you get credit for more steps than you actually took. Um, but I did see somebody... On Twitter, make a they made a, a graph of it, and people were talking about it uh, under the you know Murdoch trial hashtag, and they did that analysis, and they say that it shows Murdoch's phone, and the number of steps he took over the duration of time shows he was running. That's what some internet sleuth. I have no idea if it's true, and it has not been entered into evidence, but it, it indicates that he was running. But they had a, they did a good job of narrowing it down. Um, these uh, the the window right and locking in like here here's the kennel, here's Paul shoots the video, and Alec is heard in the background along with Maggie. There's proof of life. They were all there, and the video was never sent to his friend Rogan. Uh, Gibson never sent to Rogan Gibson, even though Paul had just been on the phone with him. They were just trying to FaceTime so he could show him the dog's tail. The FaceTime didn't work. And so he's like, I'll shoot you a video and send it. He shoots the video, never sends it. So that's a, I mean, like to me, 
that's when the murder happened. Because then his friend Rogan sends him a message and's like, hey, where's the where's the video? What's up? Yo. And and he never hears back. He sends a message to Maggie. She never answers. To me, that's when it happened. Right there. So I and again, I don't know if Alec was the murderer. There are all these theories out there that there were other shooters. I don't know. I'm just trying to go by what uh, uh, you know what's being presented uh, into evidence and trying to get a read as if I were uh, a, a juror on the case. Now there's a, a an account here. Um, yeah, on Twitter, it's a Plov Law, whatever. It's a lawyer, looks like. Um, talking about the last four witnesses. And uh, this person says, shows very underrated and overlooked aspect of criminal defense. You have to protect the record. You have to object. It's not fun, but you got to be willing to get slapped down over and over and over by the judge, possibly even angering and frustrating the jury. But you got to do it. Because the prosecution's questions yesterday, at the end of the day, they were all leading questions. The very first one established that the witness had no knowledge to answer any of the rest of the questions about, do you know about the finances? Do you know how much money he owed? And he didn't know any of that. But they kept asking, leading question, leading question, and there were no objections made. And that didn't preserve the record. And that's going to be a problem on appeal. All right. Stick around. Brett Winterbull is up next. I will see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.